much, Heiko. Thank you, Pastor Dave. It's good to be in your midst this morning, and um, what a wonderful time of worship it has already been. And so we praise Lord for his goodness, his kindness, for his grace that he's bestowed upon us. Let uh, us turn our attention to the reading of Scripture, and I'll be reading from a couple of different portions. First one will be out of Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. And we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make, you, make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And let's turn to the New Testament in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, and that's really our a sermon text for this morning, John chapter 9. And we read the following as Jesus is continuing his ministry on this earth. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I do want to read one other passage at the very end, Revelation chapter 5. It was already made reference to this morning. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. As the Lamb has been given the great privilege to open the scroll. And they, all those who had gathered, sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Here ends the reading of God's word, and let me go to the Father one more time before we dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us the great privilege of receiving it and standing under it. We pray that you would speak to us through your word for your sake and for our good. 
And we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I say, while it is still day, what comes to mind? While it is still day, before the night falls, uh, there's some students here, and you might be thinking, uh, there's an assignment that has been given to me, and while it is still day, while there's still time, I may be able to continue to invest myself to improve upon the assignment. Because there is the due date that is coming, and that is when night has fallen. Time is over. Judgment has come. Or you uh, might be thinking of uh, your pastor or a pastor in preparation for a sermon. I don't know how it goes with you, Pastor Dave, but I'm working on my sermon even to the point when I walk into the pulpit. It is still being worked on while it is day. When it's time to preach... It's done. Or if you are a sports fan, you may be thinking of how much time is left on the clock. Because while it is still day, while there's still time, you may be able to do something about it. For those who may be Tennessee fans, you may rejoice because yesterday, as time was expiring, they beat the number one team or number two, um, Alabama. Sorry for Alabama fans. But while it is day. You know, I pastored for a while at Neely's Creek ARP in Rock Hill, and I enjoyed so much uh, making visits to our folks, also the elderly, and uh, I would minister to them, pray with them. And then I thought, well, how about my parents? My parents are moving up in age, and I would love to minister to them. I did approach my elders, and I said, would it be okay if I went down to Boca Raton, Florida, where they lived at the time, and go visit with them? Because I realized that time was progressing. As long as it is day, while it is day, because night is coming. This is the phrase that Jesus uses in our text. Now, this is a beautiful story of the power of Jesus revealed as he heals the blind man. Now, we may want to approach this text in a number of different ways. We may want to approach it from the point of view of the disciples who are asking a question of Jesus. Who is at fault that this man is born blind? Is it his own fault or is it the fault of his parents? And Jesus responds very quickly by saying it's neither the fault of the parents, nor the fault of the blind man, but it is so that the power of God may be at display. That was his answer. So we could explore that a little bit, or we could explore the criticism leveled at Jesus by the Pharisees. If you look further down in verse 14 and following, the Pharisees accuse Jesus of having worked on the Sabbath. And so we could explore that avenue or simply the story. Uh, can you imagine yourself being blind? You cannot see. What would that be like? Maybe you have a relative who is blind, and maybe you have some experience with those who are blind. I'm looking at Dr. Ralph Shannon, 
the ophthalmologist. But can you imagine you are born blind, you never see, and then this Jesus comes, and he touches you, and you are healed. What would that be like? And not only does this blind man receive his physical sight, but further on down the text you read that he begins to believe in Jesus as his Savior. So when he opens his eyes, he not only sees Jesus the man, but he sees Jesus the Savior. So we could explore just that little story. But what I want to focus in on is this verse, verse 4. And it reads, Jesus is saying, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And then as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I want to look at that verse and actually only three words in this little statement. And they all start with W. So we and works and while. And I want to take them in reverse order. And what we will notice is that there are two different dimensions that are ongoing in each of these little words. So the word while. While it is still day. That's what Jesus is saying. And so let's reflect on where is Jesus right now in terms of his life. He is... If you look at the text and the, uh, the following chapters, you will notice that Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. Jesus is heading towards the final destination of his life, that for which he came, namely to offer himself as a sacrifice. So it's towards the end of his earthly ministry. And he is saying to his disciples, while I am still here, while it is still day, We must work the works of him who sent me. So it was a challenge to his disciples. Let us not give up. Let us carry on the ministry. That's the one dimension. That's the immediate context. What about a secondary dimension? Because we know that the ministry of Jesus does not finish with his ascension to heaven. The ministry of Jesus continues by the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church universal. And so there is a challenge for each one of us. While it is still day, so what is that making reference to? We are now living between the first advent and the second advent of Jesus. The first advent when Jesus came as a suffering servant. When he came as, a, as one who loved people, engaged people, healed them, but he came in humility. But we all know that Jesus will come again. And when he comes again, he's not going to come as a humble servant. No, he will come as the reigning king. He will come as the supreme judge. But right now, we're living between the first and the second advent of Jesus. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, the followers of Jesus, to the church, while it is still day, we must work the works of him who sent me. So here's a challenge for the church of Jesus Christ. Let us not give up. Let us carry on the ministry of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what about the word works? 
Once again, there are two different dimensions ongoing. When Jesus says we must work the works of him who sent me, he is certainly making reference to his own work. And yesterday during our session, I mentioned that theologians talk about, when they think about Christ's work, they think of his obedience, his active and his passive obedience. And we know that his active obedience makes reference to Jesus' sinlessness, that he came to fulfill all the requirements of the law, to satisfy all the requirements of the law. And so he came to do the works, his work, to um, go to the cross, to provide redemption and salvation for us. That's his work. And we all know that we are not called to do that kind of work. That work has been finished. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he cry out? It is finished. The work of Jesus was completed. Both his active obedience and his passive obedience, his willingness to go to the cross to lay down his life for you and for me. And so what might he be making reference to, to his disciples, works, and what might he be making reference to, to us, his disciples, the Church of Jesus Christ, living today? Well, we understand that our work is not the work of redemption. Our work is the declaration of the accomplished redemption by Jesus. That's the work that we get to participate in, to make Jesus known, to declare the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we heard this morning, read from the scriptures. That's the works that we are invited to, to join him with. And also the works of compassion that Jesus provided for so many people that he encountered. So we have the while, the works, and then the we. And obviously there's an immediate context. He is talking to his disciples. And he says to them, we must work the works of him who sent us. But then by extension, as we have already heard, he is talking to the church of Jesus Christ. He's talking to the followers of Christ, to the church of today. We must work the works of him who sent us. So our work, as I mentioned, is not salvation, but the declaration of that salvation. So in one sense, Christ's mission was complete. His mission was about to finish, but that inaugurated the mission of the church. That inaugurated the continuing ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit for those who call themselves believers in Christ. And what I want us to see is that this mission of the church didn't just start with Jesus. It started all the way back in the Old Testament. The mission of God, that God is on a mission to gather unto himself all the elect through all the generations. So I want to read for us a few passages of Scripture just to show us that we see his mission throughout both the Old and the New Testament. 
Let me just start in reading some of these verses. You don't have to turn to these. I'm going to go through rather quickly. But you will see God's glory. You will hear about God's mission, which is to all the nations. Genesis 3, 9. I mean, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis chapter 22, verses 17 through 18. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and as the sand that is on the seashore. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 41 through 43. Solomon's, it's Solomon's prayer of dedication of the temple. In order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel. Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Psalm 67, 1 through 7. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Psalm 96, verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Isaiah 45, 6. That people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Jeremiah 3, 17. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord and all nations shall gather to it to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Haggai 2.7, And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi 1.11, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. New Testament, Luke 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Romans 16:25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, which has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. Revelation 5:9. And they sang a new song saying, "Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, 
For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Just a few select verses from the scriptures about God's heart for the nations. And we as a church, as the followers of Jesus, have been given the great joy to participate in God's mission to make his name great. And that's the mandate of the scriptures. That is the divine command the godly directive in order from the lips of Jesus and throughout the scriptures. He invites us to join him. And so as we come to the table, as we partake of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us remember that there are still many people who are outside who have not yet come to the table. Let us encourage each other to declare the glories of the Lord God for his sake, for his glory. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this reminder from your word about your mission in this world, the world that you have created and for which you came and sent your son Jesus. Father, we pray that you would remind us again of your goodness, your kindness, of your grace, your mercy, Remind us as your church that while it is still day, let us work the works of him who sent us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.